0: Hello, 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 and God bless you. Grateful for you being here in the building as well as online. We appreciate you. We thank you for tuning in and uh, being a part of what God is doing here at Deliverance Temple, especially as we study the Bible together and go back over sermons and get more in depth. And uh, hopefully it helps us expand and grow. And so you are appreciated and we thank you. All right, let's take a time and let's bow our heads and let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you and we praise you, God, and we magnify you. And we appreciate you for all that you are and all that you mean. Thank you for what you mean to us, what you're doing in our lives. God, continue to illuminate us as we study, as we grow, uh, help us to advance the kingdom of God in the ways that you would want us to. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we talked on Sunday on from this topic, the path forward, the path forward. another way uh, to look at it was we were really talking about trusting God as we move forward, as we continue to embark on this new year. And as it's moving, if it's anything like 2023, it's going to be moving rapidly. You're going to look up and it'll be spring. And so in the early stages, in the early weeks of the new year, thinking about what moving forward looks like. And when you think of that, there's uh, two major things that come up in my mind. And so the first one is this. It is the idea of expectation. There's a certain level of expectation that happens with and in the new year and especially in the the initial weeks and initial stages of a new year. And so expectation defined as this is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. So a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. And so what are you expecting as this year has embarked and has it started Uh, As you begin to look at your journey ahead, the pathway forward, what is it that you expect? And whatever you expect, you have to understand it is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future, specifically within this year. And so positive expectation is good, but a lot of times because of the trials of previous years, you can have negative expectations and you can draw yourself toward both of those. And so I've been encouraging us to have an expectation that is positive. I've been using the phrase Ephesians 320, which is a scripture. I'm saying we should have the expectations of an Ephesians 320 year, which is that my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. It's a prayer that Paul prayed as he was writing uh, the church in Ephesus. And so that's where we should set our gauge on. It reminds me of cruise control. When you're driving, you set the cruise on 80 and the car will remain on 80 unless you change it or unless you adjust it if you have to hit the brake or if you decide to go beyond that. But whenever you let back, it, re- it defaults back to the- wherever it was set. And so if you set your expectation low, then it's like cruise control. It's like setting your expectation low. You could go above that, but then you'll always default back to it. So we should start off setting our expectation high. But just because we set our expectation high, and I'm going to look at it one more time, and just because we have a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future doesn't guarantee it to be so. And uh the there are many reasons why. But sometimes the first thing we think of is that there is something wrong with my faith. That's not always necessarily the case. There's a lot of things things that can get in the way of what we expect, what we anticipate. And when I say that, I'm talking about when you're shooting high and you don't hit the mark. It becomes lower than what you think. So what happens there, and normally what happens is there becomes a battle of the unknown, the fear of the unknown. And so what happens is if you base your expectation and your journey forward and your pathway ahead if you base it on what has happened in previous years you might be bracing yourself for disappointment because I believed before I've had strong belief before and things didn't turn out the way I wanted to turn out and so What that does, it sets in motion what I call this. And this is where we're going to go to. It sets in motion a certain level of uncertainty. So let's define uncertain. Uncertain is not able to be relied on, not known or definite. So if we go back to expectation, so I have a strong belief. But what happens when my belief is not able to be relied on? It's not known. Or is it definite? There's no definitiveness to my strong belief. Well, it wouldn't be faith if it was totally definite, if it could be totally seen, because faith is the evidence of the things not seen. It's the substance of the things that we hope for and the evidence of what we can't see. So there has to be a certain level of uncertainty to even the things that you believe. So you set your expectation high, you believe for the best, and if things don't arrive at the place that you believe for, you don't abandon your faith, you understand that your faith is only partial, it's part of the thing. We we prophesy in part, we only see in part. And so it may not be the fullness, but what you have to do is you have to keep pressing. In relationship to the car example, what you do, you raise the cruise control. Okay, I'm going to have to set it higher. Sometimes you get on the road, you set the cruise for what you think is right, and the flow of traffic is much faster. And you realize, I'm going to get run over. I'm going to have to raise it. But some people can get scared and lower it. And what I'm saying is when uncertainty takes place, don't lower your expectation. Raise it even higher. Well, pastor, how could I do that when I'm disappointed? Then all you have to do is reframe how you're thinking it. Okay, if it didn't happen this year, it's a, it's guaranteed it's going to happen next year. What happened? What if it doesn't happen next year? Okay, it's going to happen the next year. Instead of dropping it down and saying, well, okay, it'll never happen for me. Things never work out for me. Okay, maybe it wasn't the right time. Maybe there's something I need to learn. I'm going to press even more. I'm not going to allow the uncertainty to shift me. I'm actually going to embrace the uncertainty because just because I don't know everything and don't see everything doesn't mean I have to weaken and cheapen my faith. I'm actually going to keep expecting, keep pushing, keep believing. And when you get in that mode, what happens is you are undaunted. The challenges don't change you. The challenges, they just challenge you. They actually make you believe even more. Okay. It's got to, it's got to happen. I know. It's going to. So we, we take the uncertainty, we embrace the uncertainty and we don't allow it to cheapen our faith, weaken our strong belief or change our expectation. We keep moving forward. And the overall point that I'm making is we're talking about the path forward and what we don't want to happen. So sometimes uncertainty can uh, scare you. Sometimes disappointment can stall you. But mainly what I'm saying is we still want you to keep moving forward. We don't want you to get sidelined. We don't want you to get stuck. We don't want you to get stagnant. And that's a lot of times what happens when people don't totally give up their faith. What they happen is, what happens is they slow down so much that they're just stagnant. They're not really moving forward. They're not increasing. They're not growing because they've been so challenged and so weakened that they just stop and what we're saying is no the path is still forward so no matter what the challenges of the uncertainty looks like our strong belief says what we want to see is at the end of the path so we got to keep moving forward we can't stop we can't quit we may have had to take a break we may have had to rest the grief may have caused us to pause for a moment but we're getting back on the road the filling station was designed for you to fill up and keep going, not to fill up and get sidetracked, not to fill up and go back. So the understanding is that we're looking at the path forward. So that means we have to sometimes plow ahead, forge ahead, push ahead. Uh, there are people in this season, this wintery season, especially in Indiana, you have or the Midwest, you have made up your mind. I'm going to go somewhere. You wake up and there's snow on the ground, ice that maybe you didn't prepare for. The uh, the weather report wasn't clear that the rain was going to turn into snow. But you say to yourself, but I still got to go forward. So I'm just going to have to adjust. I'm going to have to wear different. Clothing, articles. I'm gonna have to dress warmer. I may have to leave a little earlier. I'm not gonna change everything just because something challenging showed up that I wasn't expecting. Yes, I was expecting to leave at 9 a.m., but now at 7 a.m., I see snow on the ground. Okay, I may have to leave at 8.30. I may, I may have to adjust and change things, but I'll just adjust. I won't allow it to stop me cause I need to move forward. All right. Having uh said that, let's look at uh, a verse. And this sums up the focus that I really want to leave with us. And here is the first part of the verse, and it's in Psalms 31 and 14. It says, but I trust in you, O Lord, I say you are my God. So here is where our cruise is set. Our cruise is set on these two things. Number one, you're my God. So since you're my God, I trust you may not be what i expect it may be more challenging than what i thought it may be harder than i anticipated there may be more attacks and obstacles than i even thought imaginable when i when i set my expectation high i wasn't looking for all of these things to be in the pathway but i trust in you lord and you are my god since you're my God, you've got me taken care of. So I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm setting my cruise on trusting in God. And now that I've trusted in God, it takes the pressure away. It doesn't change all the circumstances. It doesn't change all the challenges, but it takes the pressure away. And here's, here's the reason why it takes the pressure away, because since you are my God, and I, you are my personal God. I've given you my life. You've given me your life. Then I have to believe that you see the obstacle just like I see the obstacle. And since you are a God that is in control of the universe, more than likely you saw the obstacle before I saw the obstacle. So if you told me to keep going forward, then you have a plan to fix whatever is in my pathway. You have a plan To help me get to where I'm supposed to go. So I'm going to trust you. You are the GPS. You know. You see. You understand. Sometimes the GPS will tell you traffic ahead. But you're still on the fastest route. Or traffic is ahead. We're going to go and we're going to take this route. So we're going to trust God. Sometimes when you're driving. And you know. The roads and you understand things, you disregard the GPS. It's like, ah, I'm not listening. Now, that can't be the fastest route. I'm going to go this way. Sometimes you find out that the GPS was right. Sometimes you find out the GPS was wrong. You were right. But here's the difference in God's positioning system. God is always right. You never are. So if he says you're on the fastest route, you're on the fastest route. If he says we got to take this route, we got to take this route may not seem right. But you've got to understand, I trust you because you are my God. I'm no longer in control. Jesus has taken the wheel and the whole car. I'm just a passenger and I'm not a front seat passenger. I'm a back seat passenger. It's like I'm in an Uber. Hey, I just put in the destination that I want to be. I got to trust you to get me there. And so when you trust God, then whatever happens in the path, it doesn't shift your expectation because you are not in control. God is in control. Somebody uh, needs to say that or even type that God is in control. And since God is in control, then we have to trust him. All right. So let's look at one of the ways that we trust him. Look at the next part of this verse from the English Standard Version, verse 15. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. So I trust you, God. And at the end of the day, my times are in your hands. So I give you my whole 2024. If perhaps what I'm looking for doesn't show up to 2027, it's OK. My times are in your hands. If you take me a slower route, you understand you're driving this thing. I'm not I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to fret about it. My times are in your hand, God. I trust you. You are my God. And so I trust you. I put my trust in you and I allow you to do it in your way, in your timing. I'm not fretting. All I understand is that the pathway forward is with me and you. You're going to get me to where I need to be. And That's the beauty of having that expectation of like Ephesians 3.20, because you can do above what I ask or think because you're driving. I may be asking on this level, but you can do it on this level because you understand more. You're God. You You can control it all. So I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to get locked in you, and I'm not going to allow what is happening to shift me. And one of the things that I've learned is that, When the pathway gets harder and rougher, many times it's because the enemy sees what God is up to. And so he tries to get in there and throw stuff in there to get us distracted. So we stop allowing God to drive this thing. And we Sometimes we think, well, I can do bad all by myself. Let me take the wheel. Let me get back in charge. That's when we mess up. That's really what Satan is planning. So no, we're just going to rest. I'm buckled up. I'm along for the ride. I'm allowing God to do this. All right, let's go to these things that I left with you. And I said, I can't promise what your path forward will look like. I'm prophetic. God has a prophetic anointing on my life. But I'd be lying if I could say that I can promise what your path forward will look like. Now, as a whole, I know that as a whole, the body of Christ at Deliverance temple is going to advance. But I don't know what that looks like for each individual piece. I don't know if this is your year. I don't know if this is going to be an easy year or a harder year. I don't know if it's going to be better than 2023 or worse than 2023 or worse than 2020 or better than 2020. I can't promise what it will look like. However, God sent me. But God sent me to remind you of these assurances. It's my job through this message that I preach to remind you of some assurances. So I I can't tell you what it's going to look like, but I can assure you of some certain things. I'll give you an example. Many times if you are lost and you're driving and like, I don't know where I am. Many times it's not the mile marker that. Reminds you where you are. It's certain landmarks. Oh, there go. I'm, I'm on the right direction because there go that McDonald's. I see that McDonald's all the time. And what it does, it assures you you're on the right path. It, there's certain things. There there are times that I've been doing things and I'm like, man, I, I don't remember this. I don't, this looks different, especially if you, you drive to a new place and on the way back, It's like, this looks different. This feels different. And then you see something. Oh, I saw that. I remember that. I saw that dealership. So, okay, I'm on the right path. So it, what it assures you and what that, what that assurance does, it relaxes you. Okay. I'm on the right, I'm on the right path. So I don't have to try to change. I don't have to try to turn around. I don't have to try to stop, pull out the map. I can just keep moving forward because this assures me. Oh, okay. I, I, I got this. We got this. And so my job is to take the scripture and give you some assurances. So i want to remind you of some assurances. And so we're going to start with the A, B, C and D assurances. So let's look at the first one. Here it is. When your path is dark, he will be your light. So I can't promise you. I don't know. But I can tell you this, if you step into it and the path is dark, he will be your light, not just any light. He will be your guiding light. So you can be assured that if you launch out and it gets real hazy, real dark, you can't see your way. It's okay, number one, because you're walking by faith, not by sight. But number two, he is your light. He is your sight. And he is your light. Let's give us some scriptures to to help us uh hold on to this. So it says this. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Here is an assurance that the word that I'm embracing is actually light for me. It's a lamp and it's a light. So when I come to Bible study and I tune in, I'm actually getting light. I'm getting more ammunition for my light. I'm getting more batteries for my flashlight. So that when I walk out into the world and into my path, if darkness meets me, it's okay. Cause I have a flashlight. I have a candle. When all the power goes out, in your home, those people who have a lighter and candle, they understand. All I gotta do is pull that out because I have something ahead of time. I've got flashlights. I've got something that's gonna make, help me make it through the night till the power comes back on. I am already prepared. So when you have the word of God, you are already prepared to face darkness. I'm not saying you're going to face darkness, but if you did, you are already well taken care of. In the car that I drive, it has automatic lights and automatic high beams. So when I run into a a situation that's dark, I don't have to flip and turn anything on. All I got to do is just keep moving forward, keep driving. The car is going to recognize the darkness and automatically bring on the light. And if it's darker than normal, it's going to bring on a higher light. I don't have to do anything. All I've got to do is trust the process. Same thing. I'm saying and sharing with you. Uh, Here's another one. John 8, 12. This is Jesus because his words are in red. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Oh, that's beautiful. That's great to understand. Not only is the word of God a light and lamp, Jesus who his spirit dwells on the inside of us, he says, I am light. I am that light. And so now the light is not just on the outside of me. The light is on the inside of me and the assurance and the promise that Jesus made with his own mouth that I would not walk in darkness. So I may be in darkness momentarily, but as I move forward, I'm not going to walk in darkness. Let me give you a strange example that just came to my head that I think makes sense. Do you remember the Michael Jackson video? Uh I think it might have been Billy Jean where he's walking and stepping, and every time he steps, the path lights up. Well, as long as you move forward, you're better than Michael Jackson because you have the light of the of God in you and on you and around you. And every time you step, it's going to light up. So you may not know what. Uh, you're supposed to do because things are so dark, but standing still and staying still and becoming stagnant is the worst thing you can do. Or actually, the worst thing you can do is go backwards. The second worst thing you can do is stay still. The best thing you can do is move forward, because as you move forward, the path will light up in front of you. Because Jesus has promised it that you will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All right. So let's look at what Revelations 22 and 5 says. Now to know a Revelation 22, this is the very last chapter of the Bible, the last chapter of Revelation, and also the last chapter of the whole Bible. And so it it ends really on a high note. Revelation is an interesting book. But when you get to chapters 21 and 22, it really brings it home. And so let's look at how the end Is In verse five, it says, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. So. Here's the beautiful thing that that tells us the end. That's beautiful. But what that also tells us is there is no darkness in the end in in heavenly realms, when we are in the place we're supposed to be. So that means the darkness has to come now where we are now in our earthly existence. But since we know the end is there's going to be no night, no dark, we will rule and reign in light and with light. Then that means that, uh, since Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it means that right now, the light that he has that will expel darkness forever, he has that light now. I I can partake of some of that light right now. So if the path is dark, I don't have to freak out. I have all that I need. I want to go back to that scripture again before we move on. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. So that's how it ends but right now we have the Lord God with us, so he'll be the light that we need when we need it and if we need it. Not saying that you will, but if, no need to fret, he is your automatic light. He will be your light. So in darkness, he is your light. All right. Here's another assurance that I want to give to us. When your path is confusing, he will be your peace. Peace. So when your path is dark, he will be your light. When you pass it. When your path is confusing, he will be your peace. One of the things I'm doing, I'm taking us out of the equation. I'm only putting the path and God. And so, because remember, he's the one driving now. We are just riders. We're just passengers. So we don't have to take matters into our own hands. If we are confused, we have to trust in his peace. If things are dark, we have to trust in his peace. Light, so these ought to assure us and give us some relaxation that it's going to be okay. I got a feeling everything is going to be all right. So, let's give us some scripture to back this up, starting with Second Thessalonians three sixteen. Now may the Lord of Peace Himself give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with you. All this is Paul writing and he's writing as a salutation at the end of uh, this chapter. But there's beauty even in that salutation. That's not empty words. He says something very powerful. He says, now may the Lord of peace. So the one who actually governs peace, the Shalom himself, the Prince of peace. May he give you peace at all times in Every way. So if you're confused in every way, he can give you peace in every way. The Lord be with you all. So that's the key. If the Lord is with you, then you have not only access to his light, you have access to his peace. And on uh, Sunday, I talked about him giving you a piece of peace, a P-I-E-C-E, a piece, a portion of peace. So he is peace, and when he gives you peace, he's actually giving you a piece of himself. And so you have peace, and you have a peace that will help you when things are dark and confusing because sometimes it becomes dark and confusing, and sometimes it gets so dark that it actually confuses you. Sometimes the darkness brings a, conf- a confusion with it, but it's okay The prince of peace has given you a piece of himself and he's given you a piece of his peace, his shalom, his peace. And what that does as you embrace that, it brings you peace. What is the peace? I'm going to get through this. I'm going to overcome this. It won't always be like this. And so I can keep moving forward and have a peace because I drive all the time. I drive to work all the time. And then when I get to work, I have to drive on a truck. When I'm on my days off and I don't have to drive and, like, I do catch an Uber or I do ride in a plane, I am not fretful at all. I am at peace because I'm so glad to not be in control for a change. So some people are looking around, looking out the road. I don't. I have my head back, sometimes my head down. I don't want to see the road. I don't want to see the highway because I see it all the time so when i get a chance to be at peace i take advantage of the peace i might even do this put my head all the way back i'm going to get me a nap cuz i'm not in control i'm trusting whoever is in control and i am relaxed the only time i come out of that is if the person who's driving me starts acting wild then i start getting up and looking but if I, if, the, if it's going smooth i'm chilling so that's what I want to do in God. I want to relax. I want to rest. I don't want to be in fret. I don't want to be in fear. I don't want to be all nervous. I want to relax. Trust God. Uh, my times are in your hands. You do it. So let me have peace. All right, let's go back to the uh, another scripture. Isaiah 26, three, you keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you. We always quote that part that will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. But here's the last part of the verse that's very important, because he trusts in you. So actually, we can read it out of order and read it like this. Because he trusts in you, you keep him in perfect peace. So if you would put your trust in the Lord and lock into trusting God, then there is a perfect peace, not an not a wavering peace, but an unwavering peace, a perfect peace. So. Being the fact that it is a perfect peace means it is not a earthly peace. It is a heavenly peace. It is a peace of him. It's a peace of his peace because that's the only way it can be a perfect peace because he is the only perfect one. And so with that perfect peace, it allows you to be at peace and it reminds you to keep trusting in God. Now, when you take your trust away, you lose the peace perfect example. And a prime example of that is Peter walking on the water. There's no way he should have been walking on the water, but he was walking on the water and he was doing fine. As long as he was looking at Jesus, as long as he was locked into Jesus, he was fine. But then when he began to look at the outside circumstances and he began to look at the waves and the storm, he lost focus on Jesus and he began to sink. One thing that uh, our Bishop, my father, our apostle always would say is whether the winds and the waves were raging or not, he should not have been walking on water. Even if the water was calm, he shouldn't have been walking on it. So the fact that the waves begin to jump around was nothing but a distraction because he was already defying the laws to begin with. But he allowed the distraction to distract him, and he began to sink. And Jesus said, he, Jesus saved him. He said, why did you doubt? In other words, you had this, as long as you were looking at me, concentrating on me, you were doing what you should not have been able to do. You were going above and beyond because you were having a piece of my peace, that perfect peace that transcends everything. And you were rising to the occasion. But the moment you begin to look at the outside circumstances, it brought you down. So, are you going to look at him and receive the peace of, of his peace? Or are you going to look at the outside things? If you look at the outside things, it's going to distract you. And more than likely, you're going to sink. So that's not what we want to happen. All right. Let's look at Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, this is something quite powerful. I'm going to go to the end of the verse, point that out, and then we'll we'll back up. So let's look at the end of the verse. Shall keep your hearts and minds. So there is a certain distraction that not only gets in your mind, it gets down in your heart. And those distractions have a way of causing you to sink, causing you to get off of the path causing you to get stuck, to get stagnant, and God forbid, causing you to go backwards or to backslide. So we have to have the peace that will keep our minds and our hearts. So if I can stop it from interrupting my mind, I can stop it from getting in my heart because there is a mind heart correlation. There's a mind heart connection. And so what Satan does, he suggests things in the mind to get you to dwell on it, to get you to think on it. Now, I didn't go there, but if you are a Bible nerd or Bible scholar, you understand Philippians 4, 7. You understand the next verse, verse 8, says whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are good, of a good report. I'm paraphrasing. Think on these things. In other words, Don't think on the wrong things, because what the wrong things, when you think on them, they'll go from your mind to your heart. What you need to be thinking is thinking on his peace, the peace of peace that he's given you, the perfect peace. Think on that and what it'll do, it will surpass all understanding. In other words, what he's saying is you don't have to understand everything. The problem is we get in situations and it just doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. But if you take a piece of him, a piece of his peace, then you realize I don't have to understand it all. I can think on things that I do know. God is good. Well, it doesn't look like he's being good right now to me right now. It don't look like he's good. Well, I'm not going to think about that because I don't understand it. I don't understand why this person had to die and die the way they did. So I'm not going to focus on what I don't understand. I'm going to focus on God is good. And I'm going to allow that piece to transcend my understanding. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, but somehow I still feel like he's good. So that's what I focus on. Think on these things. In other words, you have to choose what to think on. But if you think on it properly God will keep your heart in mind with this surpassing perfect peace. In other words, it's easier to just think on what you do know, to think on the lovely things, to think on the just things, to think on the pure things. It's easier to just do that. I didn't go to the verse previous. So Philippians four, seven is what we pointed out. I'll bring it uh, back up. Philippians 4, 8 is what I'm quoting, but Philippians 4, 6 is what I also didn't bring up. And so that's why we're in Bible study. I give you the extra Philippians 4, 6 says casting all your cares upon him for he careth for you. And so what you do is you throw it off of you. You don't allow it to infect you. Now, there's some things you can't stop it from effecting you. Because you're human, it affects you, but you're not going to allow it to infect you. I'm not going to allow it to infect me because when infection gets in, it wreaks havoc. So what I'm doing, I'm casting this care. I don't understand why I lost this person. Don't understand why I lost the job. Don't understand why this blessing hasn't come through. Don't understand why I got denied for the loan. But I'm not going to make that my focus. I'm going to cast the care on you and realize you got something better for me. One door closes. Another door is going to open. Maybe you're going to open the windows of heaven when all the doors are closed. You're going to open up the windows of heaven. I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to receive your peace. It's not that you're denying the problem. It's not that you're sticking your head in the sand. It's just that you have a peace that passes all understanding. So you do what you need to do. If you have a diagnosis that you need to go to the doctor, you go to the doctor. But you don't allow every little thing that he says to just weird you out. You have set your mind on trusting God. I'm healed by the stripes of God. If I don't get healed here, I'll get healed in heaven. It don't make a difference. I'm okay. I'm not going to stress. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to worry. I'm relaxed because I know who my God is. And so that trust that keeps you in peace. So you cast that care on him. It's a peace that passes all understanding. You focus on the things that are loving, that are pure, that are just, that are honest, that are of a good report. You think of those things. And then what happens is when you should be crying, you're praising when you should be holding back. You're giving extra. Man, why, why, why are you giving more? Why are you showing up on time? You should be crying more. You should be staying away from church. You should be on a, a hiatus. You, you, you should be running from God, but you're running to God because I'm understanding when things are dark, He's my light. When things are confusing, He's my peace. So I'm locked into who He is. And what that does, that draws me closer to Him instead of drawing me away from Him. All right, here is uh, C. When your path is hard, he will be your comfort. So when your path is hard, he'll be your comfort. So if the path is dark, he'll be your light. Path is confusing, he'll be your peace. But if the path is just downright hard, he will be your comfort. He knows how to comfort you when things get hard. So even though you may have a peace that surpasses all understanding about a situation doesn't mean the situation still isn't hard. Some things are just hard. Even though he's light in the darkness doesn't mean that's not difficult. So he adds comfort when things are hard. And what happens in hard times, hard times can be very lonely because sometimes it's hard to articulate how extremely hard it actually is. And so because you can't explain how hard it is, you seem to be dealing with it all alone, all by yourself. So it can be very lonely because you're left with your thoughts. You're left with the pain. And sometimes it sits on you. It wakes you up at night and it's just you. And the devil tries to convince you that you are alone. But what God is saying is I will sit with you in the hard times. In other words, You don't only have to find me in happy times. I want you to understand you can find me in hard times. You can find me in lonely times. I am your comfort. When you see one set of footprints, it's me carrying you. We don't only have to function with life on the mountaintop. We can function in life in the valley. We don't only have to function in life with the springs. We can have life in the desert. We can have life in the wilderness because God is not confined by space, time or circumstance. So if it's hard, he can still be God in hard times. If it's happy, he can be God in happy times, but he can be God in sad times. And truth of the matter is in happy times, many times we don't necessarily need to look for God because it's just happy. We're just happy-go-lucky. We're going through life. So sometimes we really don't even see him until it gets bad. The example of light, when you have a flashlight in broad daylight, you really don't even know it's doing anything. It's not until things get dark do you understand the power of the light. Same things with hard times. You really don't know how comforting he is until you really, really need him in something extremely hard. Let's move forward. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promises give me life. All right. So holding on to those promises, his promises, it actually gives me life in a time where death is all around me. In other words, it becomes my life support. It becomes my ventilator. It actually breathes for me and breathes through me. It becomes my oxygen. His promises. See, there's some things that God has promised me that keeps me from quitting and giving up because I I know I haven't seen everything he's promised me. So I want to keep moving forward because I know there's more to it. If it stopped right now, this is not everything God has promised me. So his promise gives me life to keep moving forward. I can't stop now. I can't go backwards. I can't turn around. I can't get stagnant. I got some stuff I need to see. So I got to keep moving forward. I got to keep living. I got to keep getting up out of the bed. I know I may be battling depression, but I can't allow depression to keep me in the bed and keep me stuck. No, I got to move forward because there's some promises that God has. Over my life, there's some prayers that have been prayed over me that I have not yet seen. So I got to get up and I got to move forward and I've got to trust that God will be my comfort in the midst of it all. In the middle of the storm. All right. Twenty three four. Very familiar. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I promise myself I'm not going to allow fear to set in. The death is hard enough. The grief is hard enough, but I'm not going to allow fear to set in because his rod and his staff is comforting me. He's walking with me in it. I'm in the valley and it's shadowed with death. But the only way there can be a shadow is there has to be light somewhere. And he is my light. He is the S-U-N and the S-O-N. And the valley, which normally the valley is the space between two mountains. It's that trap space between two mountains. But the sun can still beat down in the valley, which means the sun can come into the valley. God can come into the valley. So if I'm looking at death on every side, God can still step in it and comfort me. So guess what? I'm going to allow him to comfort me. I'm not going to fight it. I know because what there are processes of grief and in a portion of the process of grief, the journey of grief, anger sets in. It's just a natural response to grief and hurt and loss and death. But you can't be so angry that when God comes in, you reject him and say, no, where were you? That's what happened with Martha. She said, where were you when my brother died? I'm not here to worry. Where were you? All I'm here to know is I need you now. I need your comfort. It's hard. It's rough. I'm trapped in this valley. I need you to walk with me. I need you to talk with me. I need you to be with me. And since. The death and the destruction and the trouble and the debt and the problems don't stop you. You're not limited by it. If you want to come in it with me, I'm allowing you to come. Come on, Lord. Come and meet me. It's easy for you to meet me on Sunday morning at church, but meet me when I'm crying myself to sleep. Meet me when I'm dealing with insomnia. Meet me when I'm turning to my addiction just to get me through to anesthetize my pain. No, I need you to meet me there. And I'm here to let you know I know a God that does not worry. He's not scared about the dark times, the confusing times and the hard times. He will show up in the dark times. He'll show up in the confusing times and he'll show up in the hard times and he will be your comfort. Look at this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4, in his great Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that. So Jesus promised there's actually a blessing attached to those who have to mourn. In other words, God is a very fair and just God, but God doesn't grade everything the same. So if you've been happy all your life, then You don't necessarily need an extra blessing because everything's been okay for you. You've had a silver spoon in your life, in your mouth all your life. But if you've had to mourn and you've had to cry and you've had to go through and you've had to struggle and you've been on the bottom of the barrel, God says, don't worry, there's some extra for you because there's a blessing for those who mourn because they will be comforted. They shall be comforted. I promise that what you go through is not going to leave you without comfort. You will have comfort, not just in this age, but in the age to come. So whatever you lost now will be made up and it will be made up because you lost it. In other words, I know you are mourning and because you're mourning, there is an extra special blessing for those who mourn. So we don't want to mourn. We don't celebrate having no more. We don't want a mourning to be scheduled into our life. But if it happens to come, because life is life and we live in this fallen world. And if we have to walk through a space of grief and death, we understand that if we mourn, we will be comforted. The Bible says he will turn our mourning into dancing. The Bible also says he bottles up every tear. So if you've ever gone through something excruciatingly hard, just know that's not the end of the story. That's the middle of the story. The the rest of the story has not been written. There's a blessing scheduled for those who mourn. And that's good news right there. Look at this. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. This this ain't the end of the story. There is. And again, this this is just a momentary part. But you're going to actually increase my greatness even while I'm here in the wilderness, while I'm here in the valley, while I'm here in the hard times. You're actually going to expand my greatness. You're going to increase me. You're going to enlarge my territory. It's going to be like Job that my latter end is going to be. Uh, greater than my former. And Job was on top to begin with, went through a real harsh time. And then he went up higher, went to another level. And the scripture says, and I just read it last night, he lived 140 years after the, the attack. So after he went into double, he stayed in that double season, that high level for 140 years. So whatever, how long you've been in hard times, It's going to be double for your trouble and you will only look back on it and say, wow, I remember that and your joy is going to be much greater. I remember the miscarriages and the pain me and my wife went through. But now I look at my three kids and how they're prospering and they're growing. They're turning from children into teens and soon they'll be into young adults. And I'm just amazed at what God is doing in their life. And I forget how I cried before. Yes, I cried, but I forget about it because the joy is so much greater. Because he increased my greatness. And I'm here to let you know, I don't care what you lost, what you've been through. Your ladder will be greater than your past. It's a promise. And it's not my promise. It's the word of God. All right. We got to get out of here. So let's let's finish it off with this one. Here's D. When your path is weak, he will be your strength. Strength like no other. So he is your light. Light. He's your peace. He's your comfort. But here he is your strength. When your path is weak, he will be your strength. So what I'm saying is when the path is weak, in other words, so much has happened. Not only is the path weak, you are weak on the path. You and the path are weak. I mean, everything is just weakness. But that's not necessarily the worst spot to be in. Here's the reason why. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. So it's said that those who are weak can now begin to declare the strong because now they're not going to be strong in their strength because they're weak. They have to be strong in someone else's strength, which is the strength of the Lord. And the connotation of that of beating your uh, plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Actually, one version says, let the weak says, say, I am a warrior. What that meant is that in the weakness is shifting to where they're turning to where they can fight back. They can actually be warriors. They can take what they have, which is not weapons at all. The plowshares, in other words, they're just regular farmers. They're just regular people, but they can turn what is regular into weapons of warfare that are mighty because you're going to be so strong that you're going to be a warrior. So you're going to turn the negative into a positive, but so much into a positive that you're actually going to fight. And and that thing that is coming against you that was trying to point out all your negative, they're going to run into a sword. They're going to run into a spear and they're going to wonder, how did he get a sword? How did he get a spear? In other words, how did he get so strong? How did she get so strong? The last place I left them, they were crying in the valley, but now they're fighting me. They're whooping me and they're taking back everything that I tried to do. How did they get so strong? They were strong in the Lord. That's why the Bible says, when it talks about the full armor of God, finally, my brother, be strong. In the Lord and in his power. So it's it's a shift. It's a metamorphosis. It's a transformation. That's why the Bible says be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what looks like failure turns into success. And many people, they go back and they point to their crying times to say, this is why I am where I am. Tyler Perry will talk about sleeping in his car to why I have a billion-dollar company in studio. It was when I was crying. He'll talk about when he was abused by his father. All that which made him weak turned into his strength today. So it's going to come a time where you're going to be glad for the weakness because you're going to realize that's the thing that got shifted and turned into strength. Here it goes. Here's the fear again. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In other words, these are the promises that God says he is going to do for you. I'm going, I'm going to do this. So don't fear. Don't fret. You are prime candidate for me to step in the situation. I have shown throughout history, I don't mind leaving heaven and coming down in the earth. Heaven is my throne, but the earth is my footstool. And all throughout the biblical history, I have come down and shown up. So the fact that you're weak, don't fret. Because many times all you're doing is you're sending a signal for me to show up. You're saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this in myself. And God says, OK, it's time for me to come off the throne and step into your situation. And when I step into your situation, this is what I'm going to do. Let me remind you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. One, I will help you. Two, I will uphold you three with my righteous. So that actually I'm going to bring righteous into the picture, picture four with my righteous right hand. And the right hand is the hand of blessing. So that's five. So that's strength. That's help. That's being upheld That's righteousness. And that's a blessing all because you were weak. So the devil is going to be upset that he ever made you weak because when he made you weak, all he did was invite God on the scene. So, Come on, Lord. It's all right with me. Let's let's look at this. This is Isaiah 41. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. So if you don't have anything, he says, okay, I uh, I got you. I'm going to fill it up. You you have those things that are automatic, like a automatic filler, or or give you an example of the toilet. When you flush the toilet in the bowl, all the water goes out. But what it does, it triggers the tank to say, refill it. It triggers the pipes and the tank to say, replenish. And it only does that once the bowl is empty. So it's the emptiness that triggers the fullness to come. So that's the same thing in this verse. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint. And be weary and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is the promise. That's the promise in the path forward that he will be with you. He'll be your light. He'll be your peace. He'll be your comfort. He'll be your strength. If it's dark, you got light. If it's confusing, you got peace. If it's hard, you got comfort. If it's weak, you got strength. And with that, you need nothing else. All right, let's prepare our hearts for prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you for these assurances that you're reminding me of to remind them, and th- I just chose four, but there's so many things in the word of God that reminds us that it won't always be like this and that there's something on the horizon that's worth us getting our expectation up for, that 2024 and beyond holds something for us that can make us look back and say, wow, God, you did it, you brought us through, and for that, I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen and a man. So God bless you. Have a great, marvelous week. Remember all that God is doing in your life. Don't give up. Don't let the devil get to you. Push forward, move forward. The path forward is filled with greatness. Share this with somebody. Let somebody know about this Bible study. Dig in it again. Watch it again if you need to. I'm signing off. We love you. Have a great rest of the week and we will see you Sunday morning. And men, we will see you here Saturday for our fellowship breakfast. God bless you.